BAM Radio Network. Get kids interested in their learning and so forth is a way to go in terms of preventing a lot of the problems that teachers face. That might be working for them right now, but we really need to think about long term. Hello, it's time for Teacher's Aid, strategies, tools, and tactics for the challenges teachers face. I'm Ray Pika. Today we're discussing a topic that is right near the top of my list of things that make me angry. It's not a pet peeve, it's not an annoyance, it really ticks me off, and that topic is withholding recess as punishment. Here to talk with me about it are Olga Jarrett, Sarah Fillion, Peter DeWitt, and Jason Flom. Hello to all of you. Peter, a study by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation found that 77% of school principals reported taking away recess as punishment. 77%. Why do you think this is such a popular policy? Because I think it's something that schools have been doing for decades, and uh, that's one of the issues with schools is that they keep doing the same thing over and over again. I also think that there's this philosophy that we have to make the kid and kids pay somehow for their discipline issues and recesses is probably the easiest way to be able to do that. How sad. Make the kids pay. Olga, Michigan's Department of Education lists taking away five minutes of recess time as a possible disciplinary option. I mean, the, the whole state Department of Education saying it's essentially a brief time out. What are your thoughts? Is withholding recess an effective management tool for teachers? I don't think taking recess away is effective at all. In fact, I think many of the kids that get in trouble for one reason or another do it because they are needing to uh, take breaks and move around more than is typical in the classroom. And I don't think taking recess away as punishment benefits them or classroom management after recess. It's a little counterintuitive. Well, according to the research, is there any connection between recess and behavior, Olga? Well, my own research showed that when children had recess, they behaved better, they were less fidgety, and they were more on task after recess. I sure wish more teachers knew about that. So I guess that's the point of this show. Sarah, yes or no? If a, if a child forgets his homework or talks in class, would the withdrawal of recess be considered a logical consequence? No, it has. Um, the infraction didn't happen at school. It didn't happen during recess. So therefore, it's illogical to take away something that didn't happen during recess. Well, explain the meaning and purpose of logical consequences for us, please. And give us an example of a logical consequence for forgetting homework or disrupting a class. Sure. With responsive classroom and logical consequences, we want to make sure that we're being respectful, related, and realistic for students and making sure that that we're using this as a teaching opportunity so that we are having students who, whenever something happens, that they are able to learn from it. That's really what discipline means, is to be able to teach and to learn. And so we want to make sure that we're providing students with those opportunities. So if a student is disruptive during a class um, activity, perhaps, we might send them to a take-a-break chair that is in the classroom where they can still be part of the learning. However, they are temporarily removed from that activity for a short period of time, and then they can come back and show us that they can, in fact, do this. If the student forgets homework, then we have a lot of, op- a lot of different options. We could have students bring it in the next day, we might say, okay, so we're about to do the spelling activity. Before you can do the spelling activity, you need to have your homework done. You can sit here and you can do that. And then as soon as you finish your homework, you could come back into the activity and you could participate that way. Okay, so you didn't bring your homework in. No recess for you today is not a teaching opportunity. Jason, have you seen an example of withholding recess work as a deterrent to unwanted behavior? No, um, because it, it 
kind of predicated on the idea that we're going to, you know, hold out something that is a motivation for the student in order to help contain behavior someplace else. And it doesn't comport with how students think about, you know, what's going on in the classroom in their lives and where they're needing that social emotional release time um, in order to be creative and be involved. So, I mean, if there's an event that happens at recess, then it makes sense to discuss that event in the context of recess. But to attach other things to recess uh, has a downward spiraling effect in terms of how students look at school. May I say something? It's Peter. Yes. I feel like there are, you know, there are a lot of counterproductive ways that schools kind of discipline students. And as an administrator, and I'm sure Jason would back me up on this too, it's more about the conversation where the discipline is concerned, which is why I love the responsive classroom approach so much. But one of the things that we also need to talk about is perhaps the child is acting out because of instruction that's not very engaging. So as a staff, we always talk about the idea that if you are having discipline issues, maybe it's not the child, but maybe it's the environment the child's in, which is your classroom, and how are you being more proactive to engage them in instruction so that discipline might not happen. Well, from the stories I've heard, principals and teachers are often at a loss as to what to do besides withholding recess. So Peter, what would be your advice to a teacher looking for an alternative? I feel like my role as a school administrator is, yes, we're supposed to be the disciplinarian, but I I like the school counseling approach where we talk with kids about their behavior because I always look and say, you know, what's the real problem? Because what they're exhibiting isn't always what the real problem is. And I feel like it's our job as school leaders to break into that conversation with kids and try to get to the heart of the issue and be more proactive as opposed to being reactive all the time. And I know that that sounds like a very administrative answer, but it, but it really is one of the easier ways to do things. That If you were proactively engaging students or if I was proactively creating relationships with students, especially the ones that um, I know might get into trouble during the day. What are the things that we can do? Can we do frequent breaks? Can we, you know, I allow gum chewing because maybe that's something that alleviates anxiety. I mean, there are just a ton of little things within the classroom. We we allow kids to um, walk the perimeter of a hallway if they need to get out of the classroom for, for a five-minute break from instruction because it's becoming too much for them. And And they all come with, you know, part of the structure. The kids are safe. We're in lockout all the time. So it's, you know, there are adults around. So those are some of the things that we do. Anyone else want to weigh in on that? Looking for an alternative? Yeah, I I really like how Peter framed it in terms of thinking about your environment. If we think about it in terms of a a natural ecosystem uh, where we want to avoid being in a constant state of putting out fires, the alternative is to do prescribed burns where it's planned. Uh, And so it's really looking at the school-wide system. How do we approach our learning environment? How do we have students help us understand what the norms are going to be for how our learning environment is set up and how we conduct ourselves and really kind of looking at that social emotional piece in advance so that there are um, things in place that can help to curb behavior in the first place. And then the second side is kind of having a restorative discipline approach. And I think uh, we use a responsive discipline here as well, but having some way for everyone to come to the table and think about how do we restore justice when things get out of balance. Okay. So Sarah, what would you say to the teacher who argues that withholding recess does work? I I think that I would say that might be working for them right now, but we really need to think about long-term. What is the impact going to be not only on the children, but also on themselves? Um, I was a teacher and I, I, although I've conducted no official research, I can tell you that days where students stayed in were a lot tougher for me. You know, if, if we have a student who is having some difficulty in the classroom. The last thing that we that we need as teachers is to have um, 
that, that challenge staying with us during a time where we need to unwind a little bit as well. I think that there are a lot of different alternatives. Um, thinking about how could we do something like a temporary timeout during an activity or a loss of privilege. So if a student isn't working well with a buddy, move them. Say, you've lost the privilege of working with your friend today. You can try that again tomorrow. Today you're going to finish up your work over here. Um, also thinking about just making sure that we are always having empathy for, for students and for the rule breakers. And I think that it was mentioned earlier, but thinking beyond just what, what needs are children trying to meet. Are they trying to meet some needs of belonging, significance, and fun? Or are they trying to, to really meet the, the necessary skills that they haven't developed yet, either academic or social? And really using our opportunities to teach children instead of just taking away recess. Olga? I, I think it's important to think of recess as a right, just like lunch is a right. And if one protects, protects it as a right, and an opportunity for kids to learn what they can learn out on the playground, then one has to think of other options. And think of many points in the day when you need to think of the child having a right to be respected, to have fun, to learn in the way they can learn best. And I think if you go from that standpoint, then it's easier to think of other options. That's such an excellent point, Olga. Thank you so much. Because we certainly wouldn't say no lunch for you today. So I, I really like that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much to all of you. This, as I said, is a topic near and dear to my heart. And I really appreciate you weighing in on it. I hope it makes a difference. Thanks for being here. Okay. Recess as a right. What a concept. The fact is that the human body, especially a child's human body, is meant to move just as it's meant to eat and sleep. We would never deprive a child of food or sleep for a day or for days on end. That would be considered cruel and unusual punishment. As far as I'm concerned, depriving a child of opportunities to move for a day or for days on end is similarly cruel. And here's another thing to consider. If we look closely at it, we'll see that withholding recess as punishment doesn't work. If it did, we wouldn't see the same kids being kept inside all the time. So do you see that like button on your screen? Yes, right there in front of you in the pop-up box. If you appreciated this segment of Teacher's Aid and would like to keep the shows coming, please click that thing for me. Thank you. This has been Ray Pico with Teachers Aid, offering solutions to the challenges teachers face. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.